almost five months in 2019, hundreds of volunteers were searching for a missing mom and businesswoman. Tragically, Andrine McDonald's remains were found and her death was ruled a homicide. Her husband, Andre McDonald, was arrested and charged. He never said one word about what happened to Andrine. That was until this year. So at that point, you know, I got a hammer and you know, body's like right there. So at that point, I just got really pissed off and tried, I started like, you know, hitting the body with the hammer. This is Texas Crime Stories, the murder of Andrine McDonald. Andre and Andrine McDonald met in 2009 in Jamaica. Andrine, who was 10 years younger than Andre, would eventually move to the United States with him, and the two would get married. Andre was in the Air Force at the time and stationed in Florida. A year later, Andre was moved to Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. The couple moved and soon had their daughter, Elena. Andrine would go on to get a degree from UTSA, and soon the couple opened a home health business that Andrine ran. Eventually, something in the marriage would change, and then came the day Andrine disappeared. She was last seen on February 28, 2019. Sometime around midnight, her phone was turned off, and she was never heard from again. On March 1st, the very next day, Andrine's friend Carol Ganbar got a call from one of Andrine's employees that she wasn't answering the phone and that Andrine didn't show up to work. When she couldn't get a hold of Andrine, she went straight to the McDonald home and entered the home. She quickly noticed something was off and inside the master bathroom, she found blood on a light switch. She called Andre and got no answer. She called Andrine's mother, Maureen Smith, went to pick her up, and then went back to the home to show Maureen. Maureen would then call police to report Andrine missing. Andre showed up at the home at the time the women were inside and told them he had no idea where Andrine was and that he was going to go check a nearby hospital. This would all lead to a huge investigation by Bear County Sheriff's Office. Andre, on the very day his wife was reported missing, hired an attorney and gave conflicting to no information. Days later, he was arrested for tampering with evidence. After it was discovered, he had purchased gas cans, an axe, a hatchet, gloves, and a box of heavy-duty black trash bags from Lowe's. It would be almost five months later, after many days of searching, Andrine McDonald was found. Her remains were on a private property less than 10 miles from the couple's home. Her cause of death would be ruled a homicide, and Andre McDonald was charged with murder. For almost four years, Andre McDonald said nothing and kept to himself while out on bond. The Friday before the trial was expected to start, Andrine McDonald's sister and mother get a phone call they never expected. It was Andre McDonald, and he was ready to tell them the truth. News, weather, mental health, true crime, and all things San Antonio. KSAT has a podcast for everyone with a local twist. Tune in daily for the day's top stories on KSAT News Now. Or learn more about South Texas weather phenomena with whatever the weather. Deep dive into mystery with true Texas crime stories that happen right here in our own backyard. And count on the KSAT Explains team to answer some big questions about San Antonio. Plus, our newest edition, Living Out Loud, making mental health easier to tackle in San Antonio. Find us anywhere that you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or watch the video versions on our KSAT YouTube page. Remember to subscribe there too.
opening statements in Andre McDonald's murder trial were expected on January 23rd. Two days before the trial got underway, Cindy Johnson, Andreen McDonald's sister, noticed an unknown number calling her phone. When she answered, she was shocked to hear it was Andre. Here is Cindy describing the phone call during testimony. Said he want to speak to me and speak to mommy. When you realize that you're speaking to Andre McDonald, how are you feeling? I was nervous. Confused. My mind was blank. In that phone call, Cindy says that Andre tells them that on February 28, 2019, he and Andreen were arguing over a business venture she was trying to start in her own name with both the couple's assets. He said that argument escalated and got physical. Here is what she said Andre told her next. I don't remember the word if it's push. Push away or drop down, um, drop her on the floor. I don't remember exactly, but he, um, uh, I don't know the word, but he, she's plunged her on the ground. She fell on the ground. That he caused her to fall on the ground? Yes. In some form. Did he say after he caused her to go onto the ground, what did he do next? He used his foot and stomped her. She went on to say that Andre told them that he stopped when he heard his daughter coming down the stairs. He said he put her back to bed, but when he came, Andreen was not breathing. He said he panicked and just wanted to get rid of her body before their daughter could see her. Did he say anything about what he was going to do with the body? He said that he was going to chop up the body, but he, didn't, he changed his mind. The prosecution would put more than 30 witnesses, and when they rested, the defense had one witness to take the stand, and that was Andre McDonald. So, Lee, there was a lot of talk about this case. I mean, it was covered by national media. We were there live streaming it as well. And we ended the first part of this with Andre's testimony, because I feel like that was very important in this trial once everything the state rested and to give a little more background before we get to his testimony andreen was a creature of habit she got up early she went to the gym every day she went to crossfit gym then she reported to work but she also had her phone on 24 7 because of her business she needed to be available at all times so her not showing up somewhere was red flags for a lot of people well, probably also for her friends that she was closest with, who we heard from. Yeah, exactly. And and Carol Gambar is kind of the BFF everybody should have. Carol Gambar, if it wasn't for her being like, hey, you know what? Andreen has told me before, if anything's ever happened to me, it was probably Andre. So when she didn't report, she was like, I'm going to go to the house. And I knew the coach at the house because I'd been there before and she'd given it to me. So that was kind of a question, like, was she entering without permission? Um, but they allowed the evidence and they allowed her her testimony about her going to the house and finding the blood smear on the light switch and seeing kind of things. She just didn't feel right. She's like, something was wrong and Andre was not answering. Well, it seems like without her going into the home, without her asking those questions, would we even have known when Andreen went missing? Would we have known to start calling police and start looking for her? Yeah, it would have been... a 
a lot later of an investigation starting as to her whereabouts than the literally hours later the next morning. And what was also revealed kind of um, that we didn't know about through testimony from, from Carol was Andrine was also having an affair, which to me at first I was like, there's your motive. There's motive. She was having an affair with another man that she knew back from Jamaica. So when Andre apparently would go on assignment, she was going to Jamaica to see him. So, but I didn't realize there was also other, it wasn't a good marriage for a while. Right. And that's a lot of time what we see being the motive in crimes like this one, crimes of passion. But just because someone's having an affair, get a divorce. Exactly. There's no reason to kill someone. And I, I want to go back to their backstory a little bit because Andre had filed for divorce at one point. And in his testimony in 2016, he said he went six month training in Alabama. And during the six months, she doesn't go visit him once. She stays here in San Antonio with their daughter. But when he came back, he said something had changed in her. And he eventually filed for divorce at that point. But then after some talking with her, they decided he decided to pull it away and he that they would continue to stay married. I wonder what changed in her, like what he felt had actually changed in that. And I think what was really telling was in 2018, which is a year, the 4th of July before um, her murder, um, they went to a friend's home in Brownsville, Texas, and he said he noticed something. He noticed she had two new tattoos. One was a letter A, and then what was the date? And he said, I started doing some research on the friend of theirs, because he also knew this man in Jamaica. It's a small town from Jamaica they're all from. And it seemed to him that those, the date was that man's birth date. So he said it was alarming. He was obviously upset. They left from their friend's house to drive back to San Antonio and a huge argument ensued in their vehicle. And he admits, he's like, I put my hands on her. I scratched her because she wouldn't pull over and let me out of the car. And he like put his hands over her face to try to. And apparently an aunt was on the phone with her as this is going on, which he denies. He's like, no, nobody was on the phone with her. It was a lot of interesting conversations. He said their daughter wasn't with them. The aunt was like, no, she was with them. So there was a lot of conflicting testimony there. Yeah, a lot of he said, she said about what actually happened. So this wasn't the first time, though. Apparently, family had seen him get physical with her before and push her down before in front of them. Or she had bruises or scratches that she had taken pictures of that she said Andre had, he had you know, given to her. So it wasn't a perfect marriage. There was problems. Her father even said he had talked to both of them, like, y'all should do marriage counseling. Her friends were even telling her, hey, you're playing with fire here. You're having this affair, like either leave him or not. But Andre thinks this was her setting him up because she had asked to go on a trip to Jamaica as a family. She thinks it was to get him to Jamaica so he could be killed by the, the lover. And he said that's when he found out the whole business venture she was starting um, with her own name only because he was like, she's taking all my money. So he had convinced himself that she had a plot to kill him this whole time, take everything, take the money, start this whole new life without him in it. He convinced himself of this according to him. Exactly. So this is kind of how, this is his testimony about February 28th, 2019, when he starts realizing 
she's starting another business. This is how he said it as he's waiting at the tax office for Andrine. When I was looking through the paperwork, I noticed something that Andrine had started his business named Elena's Property Management. And under the business, there was a construction taking place for our fourth facility that was supposed to be taking place for Starlight Homes on our joint property at Scarsdale, which I found shocking because I remember when I did the edits for the business plan and submitted them to Andrine to give them to the bank, they were under Starlight Homes. But here on this form, it says there's a business go plan going forward under a land of property management, which I knew nothing about. And immediately I just knew she was stealing from me. I, I mean, I understand getting angry and upset, realizing your spouse is hiding something from you and, and using y'all's joint assets to, to do that. But then that, again, is when you file either like charges against them, you go to police, see what your legal grounds are, or you file for divorce. Exactly. And he said that kind of, there was a lot of back and forth text messaging of arguments. He was like, I'm leaving you. This is the last thing. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. He says he gets home in that evening. She's already there. They're arguing. And he leaves the house, he says, because I didn't want, I was done. I was just done. So I left the house. I went and sat, as he says, at a park for till midnight. And he was at this park till midnight and that he went home late thinking that everybody was going to be asleep. And it was just interesting because after arguing and then returning home, Andrine wasn't asleep, he says. And this is what he says happened when he got to the house. Right as soon as I get to where the living room area is, I notice Andrine is sitting in the couch. At that point, you know, she's right there. So I told her, like, look, tomorrow when I leave work, I'm going to go back downtown to the divorce lawyer and I'm going to get a divorce. And this time, I'm not pulling it up. Which basically means I'm not stopping the divorce like I did the first time. Okay, yeah. File for, for a divorce. Go meet with the divorce lawyers. But he said that enraged her and that she follows him into their bedroom where the argument continued. He said she starts insulting him in a, a native language of theirs in Jamaica and getting in his face and that she spit in his face. He said at that point, he grabbed her by the face and scratched her. And she went into the restroom. And that's when he claims the blood from her face, that she had it on her hand and smeared it on the, the light switch, which was found. Um, but when she noticed she was bleeding, he said that she went crazy and that she went at him. At that point, she gets extremely angry. And that's when she comes, you know, across the, the bathroom from the switch back towards the door or standing there to attack me. In, in between the scuffle, I remember like grabbing her and like tripping her over one of my legs. And then she like falls and that's when I kick her like twice. When she... For me, it was really interesting watching this testimony. He says it so nonchalantly. I kicked her twice. Like who just like, I kicked my wife twice. And doesn't ever refer to him, her as his wife. Like it was always her or she... He never sounds endearing to his wife, which is really bizarre. Like it was just so cold and calculated and emotionless. Like just like, eh, I kicked her. 
Yeah, it sounds like he's just trying to distance himself from what he did and distance himself from her. So it doesn't seem as bad. And it was never his fault. She started it. She She got angry. Yeah. Well, she was up. I I tried to come home whenever she was asleep. Yeah. And she attacked me. It's interesting because he's giving his side of the story. She's not able to give her side because she's not here anymore. Exactly. It's all his side. So it's easy to put the blame on someone who can't speak for themselves anymore because they were silenced. And he's had four years to to think this up in, in his head of how he was going to present himself. And now we're going into March 1st of 2019, which is early that morning hours. It's past midnight now. And after he puts his daughter back to bed, he realized Andrine's not breathing. And he's like, I freaked out. And I just knew I had to get her body out of the house. I grabbed like a couple of trash bags and then I put one over the top of her and then the other one under the, you know, for the, the lower leg. I drove her through the house, through the front door. Again, nonchalantly, I've got some trash cabs. I put her body, I just drug it out. Ugh, like it was a hassle. He even says it was a hassle. Uh, so then he drove to a property he had driven by before off of uh, Speck Road and then threw her body in the field, but he wasn't done. No, he wasn't done yet. So that morning, he goes back home, right? And that's when Carol goes by, police are called. He's being held by police at that point. And once they've done their search of their house, it's way after midnight, March 2nd at this point. After police leave and they let him go from detaining him, he goes back out to that property. And at this point, he said... I'm really angry at this point about the whole situation because he thought, like we said, Andreen wanted to kill him and recently asked to take the trip to Jamaica. And he's like, that just enraged me. And I was enraged. So he went back to Speck Road and he wasn't done yet with her body. I was angry as hell. And at that point, I you know jumped over the fence and went towards the body. So the reason why I'm really, really angry is just because, like, I'm thinking about this whole situation, like, a lot of it. Like, you know, I'm, I left the house just to avoid the very situation that I'm in, a confrontation with Andrew, okay? And all of this, in my opinion, like, could have been avoided. Like, if Andrew wanted to, like, go be with somebody else, she was free to do that. I get really angry, so at that point, I poured, like, the gas and then I, I lit the fire. Wow. So he's so angry at this deceased person who he has a child with, who he started a life with. You're so mad at her, you light her body on fire. And he wasn't done yet because he didn't have enough fuel. He, the fire goes out. So this is what he does next. So at that point, you know, I got a hammer body's like right there so at that point I just got really pissed off and try, I started like you know hitting the body with the hammer how many times honestly I, I couldn't tell you but it was multiple times but I know so I know I was like hitting like in the face and like the the neck area and I remember like at first I hit her in the face with the with the like the hammer front and then I used the claw and like hit her in the neck area. And I remember the, the, the claw got stuck in like her neck. And then that's when I like, I was like ripping the, the, the hammer out. 
And then at that point, I think I thought I was done, but as I'm like deciding to like walk away, I give it like one more whack somewhere in the body. I'm not sure where that landed. That that's brutal. Like to to continue, uh, and we've we've heard this from experts before, to continue just taking it out on someone's body that just shows how much anger and rage that he had. And if this was an unintentional act, if she accidentally died because of a heat of an argument, why would you not then call the police? Why are you covering up? Why are you then dragging her out to some remote property, lighting her on fire, and then beating her lifeless body that you tried to burn with a hammer? Like, does he not think that any of these actions that he's doing is pointing to the fact that I wanted to kill my wife? That's all it was. I wanted to kill her. Not that it just accidentally happened in the heat of the moment. Some of the most bizarre testimony I'd ever heard. So we get into jury deliberations and it gets added to the charge that the jury can consider the murder charge or they can consider manslaughter, which is less than murder. It is a second degree felony. So the range of punishment is significantly less. And the jury deliberated for 12 and a half hours. And it was after the judge threatened them with an Allen charge, like, cause they came out at 11, we can't decide. I'm giving you an Allen charge, continue deliberating. Then they came back 90 minutes later and they found him not guilty of murder, but guilty of manslaughter. And so explain to people what an Allen charge is who don't know. So an Allen charge is the judge basically writes up this charge when the jury is kind of deadlocked or undecided and they're asking, okay, what do we do next? He'll write this charge with you know, the defense and the uh, prosecutor's agreement to make them pretty much continue deliberating, keep trying, keep seeing if you can make a decision. And if at still so much longer, you still on deadlock, then it would probably be dismissed. Um, it would be a hung jury. So it just kind of requires them to keep working at it. And so then the judge in this case did the sentencing. Yeah. So he, beginning of trial, you could choose a jury to sentence you or you could choose a judge to sentence you. And he chose the judge. And so Judge Frank Castro did the sentencing. Um, this was on the Friday. We got the verdict. And on Monday, we came in for sentencing. And this is what Judge Castro had to say to McDonald right before he sentenced him. Burned her body, beat it with a hammer, and desecrated her, her, her corpse. Uh, like after that, it just it didn't seem. It almost seems like an emotion, like a, emotional, like a serial killer or something. It doesn't match up with your military career and everything else that you got. And the last thing that kind of had me weighing is is your emotional um, state throughout this trial. And um, it's not I'm saying remorse is you have to take your attorney's advice, but you never. It's not remorse like I did it or I felt wrong. You just didn't show any uh, compassion or emotion. It disturbed me that the only time you seemed to pay attention is when they showed her bones up there. You were looking like very uh, interested in it. But if he showed that he had some sorrow to the the family and whatnot, he just it was a matter of fact just driving. I'm, I'm hitting the bones like this. I'm hitting it like a movie. There's no 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 emotion whatsoever. Just exactly how we all felt while we're watching this and sometimes you don't think a judge paid attention but he was because he, he, he's you know doing other things he's you know signing documents for because there's other things going on in his court but it was obvious judge castro was paying attention to him the entire time 
even mentioning that at one point he was on his phone during, because he was not on bond, so he was allowed to leave and have his phone and stuff like that, on his phone not paying attention. That's, that's ridiculous. So he, he says this right before he sentences him, and then he sentences him to the max. And the max for manslaughter was 20 years. But that's time served included. So at that point, it would have been about seven and a half years that he'd be eligible for parole. Um, victim impact statements were made by Andrine's sister and her father, which was really interesting when her father spoke. Because he just was like, you're like a son to me. You were my son. So he was like, you know what? I forgive you. I love you. And we just need to get past this. Of course, they have a daughter, Elena, that is now being raised by Andrine's mom and sister. And she wrote a letter to her father that was read by the victim advocate. And this is what that letter said. This letter was written by Elena to Andre McDonald. You killed my mother. You took away my life. And you broke my heart. And you hurt my feelings. And you will pay for what you did. And you will be punished forever. Oh, that's awful. And it, it just, it, I, it's interesting because she says to Andre McDonald, she doesn't say to my dad. She doesn't refer to him as dad. Um, so Elena, which we didn't say in the past, is autistic. Um, so she had some learning disabilities. And this has really affected her. She was traumatized from what she possibly saw. And probably heard. And heard that night. She's putting things in perspective. Even though she's autistic, she's obviously aware of what happened. No, and she's hurt by what happened because that's her mom. She understands who her mom is. And she understands who her dad is. And understands that her dad is the one who took her mom away from her. You can see that she's hurt and heartbroken by what happened. Yeah, so that concluded the trial but it, include, it didn't conclude Andre's time in court. He was still facing that tampering with evidence charge. So a week later, Andre was given, he took a plea deal, and he was given an additional five years for the tampering with evidence charge, which is a third-degree felony, so that's the most you can get. Um, it's five to ten years, but they did the tampering. And Andrean's family's like, we're not going through this again. We're done. We just want to move on. So they all agreed on that five years, which was added to the 20 years. So technically it's 25 years. Um, he could have had it run concurrently, but Judge Castro's like, no, it's going to be stacked. So once he's finished with one, he's got to do the other. So it'll kind of feel like that's an extra little like jab at him from the judge. And there's another plot twist in all of this. It just kept coming out of nowhere, Lee. We found out because we were live streaming. There was a lot of people in Jamaica that were watching the trial as it was going on that were interested in this case because this family is from Jamaica. They are known. In fact, so much that... Andre's father is a well-known businessman in Jamaica. And Andre's father, Everton Beachy Stout McDonald, he is awaiting trial now for the murder of two of his wives in 20, 2009 and 2020. These were murder for hire. He apparently is hiring people to get rid of his wives in Jamaica. And now he has been charged and in September of this year is expected to go on trial. And according to Loop Jamaica News, Everton will go on trial in September for the alleged murder for hire of his second wife. But then that 2009 case was reopened after the 2020 case when they charged him for that. And they have now added that additional charge. Maybe it's insensitive, but the saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. 
And we know innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. You have to wait and see what actually happens with Everton, but you can't help but draw those similarities, those conclusions after what just happened with his son and his daughter-in-law. Yeah, and Andrew McDonald has been since transferred out of Bear County Jail, and I believe he's in the Garzan unit in Beagle now where he will serve his time. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another episode of Texas Crime Stories. If you want to listen or watch, you can always go to our website, ksat.com, click on the Texas Crime Stories tab, or you can follow all of our past episodes on YouTube and wherever you stream your audio.